I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Welcome to Snacks with Stein. We are hanging out with you tonight. We're going to tell you a story. We're going back to Fear Street. Before we get started and jump into our story, Danielle, do you want to talk about what kind of snacks you're having tonight? I'm having a weird combo of some goldfish crackers, York peppermint patties, and a triple shot latte. So it's a weird one. It's a weird one today. You have like a a charcuterie board. I do. (laughs) (laughs) Of junk. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Maybe my new restaurant idea. Charcuterie boards of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Charcuterie boards. No artisanal cheese. This is like crap single. <laughs> you got like Swedish fish. Yeah. Like... A pate of cheese whiz. Just like. <laughs> like a fancy dish. Yeah, I can really. See it. I can see it. <laughs> I love it. Sounds good. It's impossible to me to think of peppermint patties without thinking about those old commercials. Oh, I haven't thought about those in those? years. <laughs> <laughs> the lady in like the dry cleaners, like mm-hmm. she's like into a York pepper patty. I feel like I'm on the slopes. <laughs> yes, I forgot about those. Oh my goodness, those were so silly. So stupid, but they were on all the time. <laughs> all the time. They're my favorite candy, so <laughs> they must have gotten to me somehow. <laughs> They're really not good. I I can't remember the last time I've had one though. I feel like I may it may have been since like high school because I think mom used to drop them in our um. Christmas stockings. Yes. I always used to get one in my Christmas sock too. Okay. Well, um, so tonight it's it's kind of a fan favorite. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to do my best. This is one that comes up just like kind of haunted mask is for Goosebumps. The wrong number is kind of very classically Fear Street. The reason I chose it is because it was the next one on the pile. That's generally <laughs> how I make that choice. Um, but also this is a, this is one of the earlier books in the series. This is book number five in the series. And I can't remember if I read this as a kid or not. I don't think that I did. I think somehow I missed this one. So this was kind of my first time going back through it. So up top, Danielle, do you think that we need to explain what a phone book is? (laughs) Because Um, it comes into play. Probably then. If it's important, I think like a brief explainer of a phone. <laughs> Just in God case. Goddamn, we're old. Okay. We are old. So, well, <laughs> there was a time when there was, <laughs> there was a time yeah. when there was no internets <laughs> and there was no Google. <laughs> and if you wanted to know what someone's phone number was, you would have to grab a big ass book. and flip through the tiny thin pages alphabetically so you needed to know what their last name was 
Cheap. And you could look up someone's telephone number that you would then dial from a phone book. And a lot of times it had that person's address listed underneath their phone number. Phone books joking. came yearly. They were delivered to your door. Yep. They don't do them anymore, do they? We get a very, very tiny one still. It's mostly like businesses now, but we still get one. But it's tiny. It's like if we found an old one from the when they started to now, it's like a magazine. <laughs> it's tiny. Well, yeah, it was thick. It was like, like a couple inches thick if you lived anywhere near like a metro yeah. area. Uh-huh. Ours and then the book would be divided into yellow pages and white yeah. pages. And white and pages were the residential listings. What's that? Weren't there, wasn't there a pink section too, eventually? Like a pink. What was pink for? I forgot, but I have this recollection of a pink part of it. I don't remember. It's been so long. But it used to be a thing. If you wanted to know someone's phone number, you would have to look it up in the phone book. And it comes up a number of times in our story. So I thought I would cover it. Just so you know, I'm pretty sure there's not any super young kids listening, but you never know. But you never know. You never know. <clears throat> not everyone is as old as we are. <laughs> well, this was copyrighted in 1990 by Pocket Books. There is no price on this one, and it must have come in some kind of a package. We've talked about those before. If anyone knows why some of these have a printed price and some of these don't, we would love to understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we could Google it, but we're not gonna. So put it in the Facebook if you know the reasoning behind that. Love to know. (laughs) So our front cover features two teenage girls in jammies. They're having some kind of a sleepover or their sisters or something. And they're sitting on a bed and they're holding a telephone receiver. And they're looking very afraid. And outside the bedroom window is a beautiful full moon. And the tagline reads, it began as a prank and ended in murder. So this is going to be another whodunit. Okay. Could go either way, though, because last time we thought that somebody was possessed. So hold on to your pants. You got them? Mm-hmm. Get them. Hold on. Here we I go. Got I got them. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> pants are important. Opening this book is a prologue. And we get this very menacing, kind of ominous character. We don't know who he is, but it's a dude. And he's plotting something dark. Just a little snippet of foreshadowing before the story proper begins. Not really anything important, no specific details, but a dark, menacing character. He's planning something. And then the book actually begins. It's the first week in September in Shadyside. Deanna and Jade are in the bathroom and they're working on Jade's hair. They're applying what seems to be like an oppressive amount of hair gel. But remember, this is 1990, so they were probably like right on track. Jade's mom is a hairdresser and they got this new gel from her. Jade has got this like big, thick, dark hair. She's generally kind of pretty. Deanna has a kind of a shorter blonde bob thing happening, but she's also pretty too, but not quite like in the obvious way that Jade is. 
It's Saturday night and school is set to start on Monday. Deanna's worried about this school year because she's just learned that her brother, Chuck, which is hilarious because I also have a brother, Chuck, so this messed me <laughs> up through like the whole thing, is going to come and live with them for the senior year. Chuck is her father's son from a previous marriage. They've not had very much contact before, but for some reason, now he's gonna come and be living with them for his senior year. Chuck is a typical bad boy. And the reason that he's going to Shadyside is because he was actually expelled from his other school, which makes Jade kind of like sit up and start panting like a dog because bad boys are her jam so hard. She's very excited that Deanna has this random bad boy brother that's going to like show up on the scene. I love it. So the next conversation is super cute, okay? <laughs> Deanna's dad is the president of the phone company. And they have just gotten this new top-of-the-line telephone. Deanna explains to Jay that all these buttons are for programming in numbers so that you don't have to dial them. And there's even a button to turn on a, a speaker in the phone and everyone in the room can hear and talk to the person on the other line. What? I mean, wow. Mind is so fancy. So fancy. <laughs> so they're excited about this new phone. So they decide they're going to make several prank calls on speaker because that's what you do. They call Jade's sister. They call some nerdy guy from school. And they even call Rob, who is Deanna's crush. And naturally, you know, he's like the most popular guy at school. He's super cute and all that, whatever. So Rob's the it guy. Deanna's in love with him. And they decide to make this prank call to him. And they have... So much fun doing all these pranks. Definitely something they're going to do again. Speakerphone is the shit. It's the new thing. <laughs> Jade's like, well, I want to come back over tomorrow night and we can make some more calls. And she's like, I can't. I have to go pick up Chuck. Deanna and her dad go to pick Chuck up from the airport. And when he gets off the plane, Deanna immediately notices that her brother is definitely attractive. She's screwed. Jade's going to be all over him. <laughs> He's also a little bit of a shit. Um, I think like James Dean, but a little less whiny, you know, Mm -hmm. he was super whiny and rebel without a cosmic, like Uh a little more tough guy. He's that like small t-shirt kind of guy with like a crappy (laughs) attitude. He's that dude. (laughs) I no, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just paint me a picture. This is where we're going. Okay. I agree. (laughs) They're driving back home from the airport and they almost get into this like huge car pileup. Okay. They stop just in time, okay. but it is, it's such a big mass of crash that like people are getting out of their cars because they're afraid that like they're going to get slammed from behind. Oh my God. And one of the cars up front is actually on fire and this kid starts screaming that his dog is in the car. So Chuck runs into the smoke and gets the dog out of the car in time. And then he kind of like casually hands it back to the kid. I like him. I well, Deanna is kind of conflicted. Like, she can't decide because he's kind of got this shitty attitude, but then he rescues dogs from cars. Right. So she doesn't really know what to make of him. It seems like he's kind of, there's two sides to Chuck. Oh, sorry. They're going to bark. Hold on. Who's a good boy? <laughs> 
Okay, let them get over themselves. One second. Okay, continue. <laughs> they have to go bark Next. at someone. <laughs> oh, that's okay. My dog just blew up my sewing machine today, and she's shredded like two screens in the last two days because there were deer outside. We live in the woods, Luna. <laughs> There's deer. If it's a bear, call me, okay? <laughs> we don't care about deer. Turkeys, too. I don't care. Bears only. Yeah, just warn me about the bears. <laughs> the next morning, Chuck makes it clear that he's not really going to be friendly with Deanna. Like, she, like, puts out a bowl of cereal for him, and he kind of looks at her and, like, pours it down the sink. Ew. Like, he's not going to be her pal, right? Okay. So she's like, okay, fine. Fuck you, too. Whatever. So she's very confused. Seriously. Hi, Luna. <laughs> she's like a big horse. Like she makes noises <laughs> when she sleeps. Um, or she's like the Triceratops in Jurassic Park. Yes. Yeah, that's Luna. So the next day at school, she's making her way kind of through the first day back at school, you know. There's a lot going on. She's daydreaming about Hot Rob. She's gossiping with Jade at lunch. All the kids in the, in the lunchroom start chanting, fight, 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 fight. And Deanna looks over and sees Chuck fighting with one of the other kids at school. And dude's got a knife, okay? Not the kid, her brother, the one she's related to, the one that like she just picked up from the airport. Yeah, he's knife fighting some kid at school oh, on the first day. It's like the first day, right? Yeah, it's the first okay. day. Okay. It's lunchtime. Like he didn't even make it through lunch. <laughs> okay, we get it. Okay, we got the message with the t-shirt. I don't think you need to take it much farther. Yeah. <laughs> After this little knife fight thing, we get this kind of mini chapter where we flip back to the perspective of this like mysterious menacing unknown character from the mm. prologue and he's like giving himself a pep talk and he's saying stuff like, okay, you know I just lost control momentarily, I can make it one more week of waiting and I can put my plan in place mm -hmm. we still don't know who mysterious menacing person is, okay, okay. and then we kind of jump back into it So it's now the second week in September. Still pretty warm for summer. You know, where all your classes are and you mostly have your locker combination memorized. You know, you've not cycled through all of your new school clothes yet, so life's pretty good. <laughs> Fashionable. Okay, everybody with me? Deanna is washing the car in the driveway and Jade walks up. She claims that she had a date and, you know, he canceled. He, she came over just to see what... She just came over to see what she was up to. I mean, it's Saturday night. She knew Deanna would not have a date. And it's not that Deanna's, like, unattractive. She's just really shy. Like, she's mm -hmm. just... Jade seems to, like, have it unlocked. Deanna, not so much. She has trouble with people. Okay. Deanna says that, you know, my parents went out for the evening, but they left me some money to rent a few movies and get a pizza. Wow. Okay, nice parents. <laughs> if mine ever left, which they never did, okay, it would have been all like, you know, there's food in the fridge. But for Deanna, <laughs> money for pizza and movie rental, whatever. Nice. Jade starts kind of like sniffing around for Chuck, right? 
And Deanna mm-hmm. lets her know, okay, Chuck's kind of a creep. We don't know if he's an asshole or not. Mm-hmm. He kind of just stays in his room all day. Like, he only comes out to eat. He doesn't talk to anyone. <laughs> this beautiful autumn thunderstorm starts to kick up outside. The girls go to rent a tape and they grab a pizza and it's not long before they decide to do some more prank calling. So there's a storm going outside. We've got our pizza. We've watched some movies. Now we're going to call some people. Deanna calls up Rob, her crush, again. This is the super hot popular guy and she goes all like catfish phone sex operator on him. (laughs) And she is like almost purring into the phone. I mean, total switch personality. She's supposed to be this shy girl and she's like really laying it on thick. Very sexy voice. She's telling him that like she's his secret admirer. And naturally he's all like, well, what do you look like? Right? (laughs) Deanna then goes on to compare herself to Kim Basinger, which at the time was super hot. Okay, wow. she's still kind of super hot, but Kim for a while there mm-hmm. uh, was a big, big sex symbol. She set the bar high for herself. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, nothing like setting them up. She's carrying this on and she hears this like click on the line. So she makes an excuse. She hangs up. The girls are laughing and like rolling around the floor. And then Chuck knocks on the door. There's this big crack of thunder. And you can see that he's grinning because he was on the other line. And now he's got some dirt on Deanna. Oh, no. Because he knows that, like, she wouldn't want their parents to know about the kind of phone calls that she's making (laughs) while they're out. Then he notices Jade. And he hits on her. And she hits on him right back. And they kind of invite him to get in on the fun like well okay well why don't you come in here and make some calls yourself and he's like okay but you know I want to make some you know quote real calls okay apparently what they're doing is a little too juvenile for him so he starts to flip through the phone book okay now sidebar this is the time where I'm going to remind everybody that this shit was before like anything bad really actually happened like this So this book predates events like 9-11 and Columbine. Stuff like that wasn't really a thing. So what Chuck does next is not quite as douchey as it would be if he did it today. Okay. You with me? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he finds the number for Shadyside Lanes, which is a bowling alley in town. You can find it on the map. He proceeds to call in a bomb threat. He tells the poor little old lady on the other end that there's a bomb in the bowling alley and that it's set to go off at 10 o'clock. They need to evacuate now. And he hangs up and he thinks that this is hilarious. He's laughing at the idea of all those people having to stand out in the rain in their bowling shoes. Deanna freaks out a little bit and she tells Chuck that, you know, they should really only call kids from school because they don't want to get into like, real trouble here and he's like okay fine you know he's looking through the phone book for a number to call and he comes across a number on fear street and then he starts making fun of the name and like how all the locals are afraid of it hmm. and the girls get real serious on him 
The storm rages outside as they explain Fear Street is no joke. It was named for Simon Fear, who used to own that whole area like 100 years ago. Ooh. And how a lot of bad stuff goes down there. Chuck is too cool to be scared by all this, so the girls go on to explain that no, no, really, kids go missing there. And there's been like a lot of unsolved murders, and late at night, they're kids that say they can hear weird screaming coming from deep inside Fear Woods. Chuck can see that the girls are serious, even though he's not about to be like afraid of a street. So he decides to call up the kid he got into a fight with that day instead. The kid's name is Bobby, I think. Bobby answers the phone and Chuck says that it's the Phantom of Fear Street and that he's got his eye on Bobby, which sounds kind of sexy to me, but I think Chuck was trying to be threatening. And he tells him that he'd better lock his doors and his windows up tight because the Phantom of Fear Street is coming to get him. And again, st still sounds kind of sexy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he hangs up the phone. And the wind kicks up outside and the windows start to rattle and the thunder is like crashing. While Chuck goes on this whole rant, like taunting the girls for being afraid of, you know, the spirits of Fear Street. Mm. And then he starts screaming for these same spirits to like come and get him come get him he's right here if the fear street is so haunted why don't they just come and get him okay and the girls are shitting their pants because <laughs> they like us have watched enough horror movies to know that like chuck is fucked yeah and like find the sage okay <laughs> just as he finished it screaming a Go lightning bolt hits the house. And the power goes out. Oh, jeez. For like a few seconds. And when it comes back on, Chuck's body is face down on the floor. But because he's an older brother and we know that he's faking it, he jumps up and screams <laughs> at them like an asshole. And then he kind of casually offers to walk Jade home casually so you need a yeah, i can walk you home if you want i feel like jade lives across the street or like maybe kitty <laughs> corner she just walks over all the time that's a long walk <laughs> right everybody walks everybody we've talked about this before everybody walks everywhere in shady side it looks there a little no bigger cars. than that i guess <laughs> Deanna is real confused. She feels like, you know, again, Chuck's kind of two people. You know, one side rescues dogs and she likes that side. She could see that guy as being like an older brother. And another guy calls in bomb threats and she kind of wanted to punch that guy in the taint. So, like, she's not real sure what to do. She also is not sure which side of him is in control most of the time. Hard to tell. Mm-hmm. So the next day at school, she runs into Rob in the hall. And because of these, like, phone calls, she's feeling a little bit less shy about him. I mean, the fact that he doesn't know that it was her that was on the phone is kind of making her feel sort of powerful. But she doesn't feel good about the bomb threat that was called in. And she kind of feels like this is a stupid game and they, they should stop playing it. At lunch, she wants to tell Chuck and Jade, you know, she's over. She's like, they, they need to stop with the prank calls. 
Before she can really say anything, though, Jade shows her an article in the local paper, and it's about Chuck's bomb threat. It's front page news about how the cops are really taking this threat seriously and that they can't rule out terrorism. Deanna feels like guilty as fuck, but Jade is super excited. She wants to keep this like prank call thing going. She thinks it's hilarious. Deanna wants to stop and Jade's like, really? I feel like you don't want to stop because we could tell Rob that you're the mystery caller or you could just keep making phone calls with us. So she's straight up blackmailing her now. What a good friend. I know, right? And she must have caught that vibe as well because she kind of backpedals a little bit after saying that. And she's like, well, why don't we all discuss it Saturday night? Me, you, and Chuck. (laughs) So that whole week, you know, Chuck is starting to be a little bit nicer to Deanna. He's like, he's helping her with homework. He even helps her with some chores here and there. Like, he's generally being less of an ass. Uh, But when Saturday night rolls around, their parents disappear off to do something. And they leave the kids home alone. Again. Again. Danielle, I feel like we always talk about this. (laughs) But really, did you, because you read these books like I did, did you have a false conception of what your teenage years were going to be like? Because in every single show and book that we read, these kids are like college kids. Like their parents are never around. Never. And they leave them money and they have places to go. (laughs) I mean, did you think it was going to be like that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely thought I had more things to do, like versus sitting around in a parking lot or something. I'm like, I don't have anywhere to go. Like nothing is available for me to do. But in all these shows and stuff, it was like, we had a diner that we went to or we had a nightclub or a bowl. (laughs) Like we had shit. We had nothing. I'm like, we literally sat around in a parking lot. And wait well, for and the cops to make us leave. <laughs> and like, I get it. That's a trope. Like, that's a device. Yeah. Like, do you remember Vampire Diaries? There was that running gag that the town kept having random, meaningless parties so that the characters would have something to do. Yeah. Riverdale does that, too. where they have, like, every day there's, like, a town meeting or, like, a something. And Who wants to do that? That doesn't no. really happen. No. <laughs> And it's always the annual. So it's like you have a year of like just doing the same shit over and over. Over and over. Because every year we've gone way off the board. Okay. Anyway, so the parents fuck off somewhere. And Deanna decides that they should cook out. They should grill out some burgers. They should have Jade over. So they do. They they do a very adult kind of dinner party thing where they grill some burgers and eat on the patio outside. And it's really nice. It's like a little cookout scene. They're listening to music. They're having a good time. It's not too hot. Deanna is like, she's kind of buttering them up a little bit so that she can tell them both to, you know, okay, let's stop with the calls. And as soon as everyone's kind of fat and happy, she brings it up. She does just that. And they immediately agree with her, which she did not expect. So after ice cream, they're listening to music and Deanna starts to notice a kind of dark shape swooping out of the sky over their table. It's a bat. The girls lose their shit. And Chuck says this is a really funny line. He goes, he goes, relax, girls. It's not like it's carrying a switchblade. And I feel like if we ever start a band, (laughs) it will be called Switchblade Bat. I like it. Copy. Right? (laughs) 
trademark. We own that uh, now. Switchblade bat. <laughs> Welcome into the stage. Okay. <clears throat> I love it. They run inside and Chuck starts making fun of them again for being afraid of stuff like bats and Fear Street. Tired of the bat hate in these stories. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just a spooky thing. It's just I a spooky trophy thing. But Chuck's on board with you. He doesn't understand why they're afraid of bats. He also kind of uses this as a jab to like get at them again about the Fear Street thing because anytime he mentions it, they both get serious and they're like, let's not joke about that. Mm -hmm. So he goes again. He's like, why are you guys so afraid of this? And they're like, please stop making fun of it. Mm -hmm. You don't understand. Like this is a really real thing in Shadyside. For example, there are no birds in the Fear Street woods. No. They just don't live there. And the scientists don't understand why. Kids go missing. Houses burn down for no discernible reason. Fear Street's fucked up. We don't go there. We don't talk about it. We sure don't invite the spirits to come and take us away. <laughs> Ass. But Chuck launches into this whole, I'm older and I'm from a big city, so I know more stuff than you gullible hicks. <laughs> And this is all an urban legend. Every small town has something like Fear Street, which is a made up thing. It's to make the town more interesting. In fact, you know what? He's gonna show them. He's gonna show them Fear Street is just a street where ordinary people live. And he reaches for the phone book. Diana pleads with him because they've just decided not to make any more prank calls. But Chuck tells her, wait, no, this is not gonna be a prank call. I'm just gonna show you that like, there's nothing to be afraid of. So he puts the phone on speaker and he calls the first listing he can find at random with a Fear Street address. And the phone rings. It rings and it rings and it rings. And on the sixth ring, a woman answers. And she sounds terrified. She starts screaming for help. Help, he's gonna kill me. And then there's a sound like someone hitting the floor. Chuck starts yelling at the woman to answer, and a man picks up the phone. And all he says is that there's nothing going on, and that they have the wrong number. And he hangs up. Deanna is sure that this has to be one of Chuck's jokes. But Chuck is pale white, and he insists that it's not. He thinks this is real. Deanna is immediately like, all right, let's call the cops. But Chuck is not on board with that plan. Why would the cops believe them anyways? They don't know who lives there. It was just a, and there was just a prank call about a bomb threat. Right. So no way would the cops like help him. So Chuck says he's going to get the address and he's going to go to the house they called to find out what's going on and make sure that everything is okay. Good Jade's idea. like, well, you're not going. Yeah, it's an excellent idea. And it, here's more good ideas. Oh. Jade says that he's not going alone and she's going with him. So naturally, Deanna offers to drive. So like the Scooby gang, <laughs> they find the address for the house that they called. The people's Wait, names. Drive? They're not going to walk there? No, they don't live on Fear Street. I Fear know, Street's on the other side of town. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, they're going to drive to Fear okay. Street. 
So they find the address for the house they called. And the people's names that live there are, god damn these names, Stein, <laughs> Farberson. <laughs> you get all the good names. <laughs> Farberson. Farberson? Farberson. I don't know what it sounds like. I'm trying to decide. Farberson. <laughs> but that's who lives there. And the house is near the Fear Street Cemetery, naturally. They pile into the car. It's a crisp autumn night. There's a giant crescent moon hanging in the sky. And when they turn onto Fear Street, Chuck starts to get it. Fear Street is just darker. The street lights aren't as bright there. The yards are overgrown, and the houses are all a little bit run down. Shadows seem to move, and the whole street has a view of the ruins of the old Fear Mansion at the end of the street. The one that had burned to the ground many, many years ago, that now stood there like a skeleton at attention. When they got to the address, they were confused. There stood a two-story Victorian house that could have been the haunted house from Halloween Tree. Battered and beat up with overgrown lawn, this house had sat abandoned and it was in front of the Fear Street Cemetery. All you could see past the house were graves and the Fear Street woods. This must be a mistake. No one lives here. So Chuck gets out a flashlight and starts to look around, and the girls stay in the car. But after freaking themselves out for like 30 seconds, they decide that they're gonna get out. They're gonna go with Chuck. No way are they gonna sit in this dark car. They ring the old doorbell, and they can actually hear it ring inside, but no one answers. Chuck decides to lead them around the back of the house to look for a back door. And there is one, and it has clearly been broken into. They can see inside the broken glass into a kitchen where obviously someone lives because there's spices and plates and shit's been thrown all around and broken. Chuck decides to go in. When the kids get into the house and turn the kitchen corner, they see on the floor sticking out of the doorway of the next room, a bloody arm inches away from a phone receiver. Chuck goes over to see that it's a woman and he guesses that she's been stabbed considering all the blood that's fucking everywhere. Deanna wants to bounce. She says they can go, let, like they just wanna go, like let's go get help, like let's get out of here. But Chuck thinking quickly is like, this woman is hurt very badly. She may not have that kind of time if she's still alive. Let's just use this phone to call an ambulance. So he starts to dial the phone and one of the girls flips on the lights and they can see the body now. And there is so much blood and there is a huge bloody butcher knife laying next to the body. The 911 operator picks up and Jade screams, someone else is here. A man in an overcoat and a green ski mask appears in the stairwell. 
He's holding a tire iron. He very calmly tells Chuck to put down the phone. And then he lunges for him. Chuck kind of dips and he picks up the bloody butcher knife and holds it out between like him and the girls and the guy in the ski mask. But the ski mask man gets up and he starts to kind of come for them again. He knows Chuck's probably not going to use that knife. So Chuck throws the knife at him and they all kind of bolt out the back door and around the house to the car. But where are the keys? Deanna can't think. What did she do with the keys? And the ski mask man is pimp walking like Michael Myers (laughs) around the side of the house towards the car. And then she remembers they're in the ignition. (laughs) And they they start up the car and they peel out of there. That ski mask guy goes into a parked car in the street and starts to follow them. And it's high speed chase time. They keep taking crazy turns. They're trying to lose him. They're speeding up. They're trying to think, where should we go? Where should we go? So they finally feel like they lose him. They take a few hard rights. They don't see his headlights anymore. So they start to head towards their house. And as they get close to their house and pull into the driveway, they see the headlights behind them again. But they're already at their house. So Chuck tells all the girls to just get out of the car and run to the house. We'll be safe in the house. Let's get in the house. They all run into the house and the guy pulls up the driveway and he sits there for a minute with the headlights on the front of the house. And then he pulls out and drives away. What the fuck just happened? Right. Things things escalated quickly. Yeah, it was like, whoa. <laughs> right? Didn't see that coming. Not this early in the book. No. Normally we're at the end. <laughs> right? No, no, no. No end on this one. It's book number five. We're not holding anything back. We didn't know this was going to be a 60 book series. Um, He's like, damn it. I blew it early. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Chuck calls 911. Thank you, Chuck. And gives Thank them you. the address and tells them that there's a woman there who's been stabbed. And when they ask for his name, all he says is that he's the Phantom of Fear Street. He's been in enough trouble. He doesn't want any more. He doesn't want to give his name. The only other thing that's kind of disturbing for this gang is they realize the psycho from the house mm-hmm. now knows exactly where they live. Oh, gosh. But, you know, Chuck's Chuck. He wears tight T-shirts. He's not worried. Come on, girls. Let's go on bed. Let go to bed. Like, everything's fine. I'll walk Jade home. It's fine. It's okay. But later that night, in the middle of the night, Deanna hears someone drive up to the house and ring the bell. Her parents answer, it's the cops. They want to know if two teenage girls and one teenage boy live at that house. So they all go into the kitchen where the police start to question Chuck and Deanna. They want to know where they were that night, and they deny everything. They were home all night. They cooked out. They watched TV. Jay did not come over. They never went to Fear Street. They don't know what the police are talking about. And the cops tell them that a Mr. Barberson 
told the cops that the two of them and another teenage girl broke into his house on Fear Street to rob the place. And when his wife tried to stop them, they murdered her. He chased them away, but he got the license plate number of their car, which is registered to this address. The cops are about to arrest these kids. They say that they've checked the car on the way into the house and the front bumper is mysteriously caked with this special green clay that apparently only comes from Fear Street. And that was on their car. Only Fear Street produces green clay in the whole state. Lock them up. Well, you know, Shadyside's finest, you know, forensics, facts. They know that the car was there, but you know, they don't, okay. So now we get another kind of like little evil villain interlude from our mysterious guy who keeps butting in and talking over an otherwise exciting story about like stabbing ski mask guys. Mysterious yeah. dude is saying that like, you know, it's all going according to plan. Only one more week. And he's not afraid to kill again if he needs to. Dun, dun, dun. But unfortunately, that night, the kids were arrested and the car was impounded. And Deanna's questioned through the night. She's woken up in the morning by her parents. They're there to take her home. But not Chuck. You see, Chuck has a record. They have his prints on file. And guess whose prints they found on the bloody butcher knife? That's right. Chuck is fucked. And he's going to stay in jail for, like, the duration. Deanna cracks, like, right away, okay? She starts crying. She calls Jade over so they can tell her parents literally everything. They spill the whole story from the beginning, her parents believe her. They call the cops. They repeat the whole story to the cops. And the cops are like, yeah, we, that's bullshit. You're just trying to protect your brother. We, we've got our guy. Thanks, girls. Go on, go on back to school. Even though they admit that there is a connection between the prank calls being from the Phantom of Fear Street and the person that called 911 for the stabbed woman. But again, they kind of pat him on the head, send him on their way, whatever. And the next morning, Jade and Deanna meet before school. Jade hands Deanna the local paper. And there's a story about Chuck and the murder. In the story, the reporter mentions the phone calls, the bomb threat, and the suggestive calls that the girls made to boys at school. They both don't want to go to school now. They're pretty sure everybody knows it's them. Chuck is Deanna's brother. It's not that hard to figure out who the girls in the story are. So this is just going to get worse and worse. The kids at school won't stop talking about the murders. They're asking Deanna questions about Chuck. Some of them are sympathetic and they say, you know, they know that he's innocent. Some, like that Bobby kid that Chuck fought uh, and then prank called later say that, you know, Chuck's going to fry for this murder. He's excited about it. At lunch, Deanna sits down with Jade, who tells her that Rob 
her crush has kind of figured out that it was Deanna who was calling him and being all sexy. And it looks like he wants to talk about it because, oh, here he comes. And then she bounces and leaves Deanna alone as Hot Rog approaches. Not a very nice what a bitch! <laughs> I would stab somebody. I would be like, you get up from this table. Yeah. It is totally. over. Okay. I'm not Kim basing her. Can't do this. I can't um, by myself. That's why you don't catfish. PSA. So here comes Rob. Hot Rob. Hot popular Rob. Hot popular Rob, who she's been sexy calling on the sly and telling him. <laughs> looks like Kim Basinger. But Rob's actually kind of a happy bunny. Like, he wants to hang out with her and call Aww. her. And he's pretty sure that, like, he'll hey. like talking to her on the phone. Little tongue-in-cheek. Rob's kind of cute. I'm on board with Rob. That night, Deanna has a lot on her mind. She's having trouble focusing on her homework. You think? The phone rings, and she's really hoping it's Rob. But it's not. It's Jade telling her to turn on the news. And there's a man being interviewed about the murder. He's saying that he hopes Chuck gets the maximum prison sentence. It's Mr. Farberson, the dead woman's husband. And both girls agree that having heard his voice, he is also the ski mask man. Oh my God. Dun, dun, dun! We were all shocked. <laughs> I didn't know I was shocked. So now that the girls know who the ski mask man is, mm -hmm. do you think that they go to the police with that information? Probably not. I think. Surprisingly, they do. They I'm do. They call the police. No, you're not. We have to have some some back and forth. Like, I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> so, they do. They call the police, which was stupid because the police don't believe them for a second. Right. Um, yeah, they totally brush them off. They're not going to do anything about it. Um, so, Jade gets kind of pissed. And she's like, all right, I have this idea. I want you to meet me at my locker before lunch. So, when they meet up, Jay has come Jade has come up with a proper Scooby-Doo plan. She has borrowed a couple of wigs from her mother <laughs> from, from the beauty shop. And they're going to go undercover at Mr. Farberson's restaurant. And they're going to ask to apply for jobs there. They want a chance to kind of like poke around and try to find something incriminating on Mr. Farberson mm -hmm. so they can get Chuck out of jail. Solid plan. So after school, they go to the drama department and they put on their disguises. They do some like outrageous makeup and they head out to the restaurant and ask for job applications. Mr. Farberson owns a restaurant. Not, I'm sure you figured that out. Mm -hmm. Any hoodles. Uh, so they ask for job applications. They are sure that Mr. Farberson would not be there, but it turns out that the job they're applying for is for his assistant. His oh. assistant, Linda, 
is no longer working there and they have called an employment agency to fill this position. The girls are now freaking out a little bit because Mr. Farberson is there. And they go into his office and they just about shit their pants wondering if he's gonna recognize them through these disguises. But it seems that he doesn't. He leaves them alone in his office to fill out applications. So they start going, like, kind of going through his desk. And all they can really find is a schedule that says Mr. Farbison was not scheduled to work on the night of his wife's death. But that doesn't really prove anything. Mm-hmm. And then Jade says she thinks she found something and she puts an envelope in her pocket right as Mr. Farberson comes in and says he knows they're not from the agency. He's not sure what kind of prank this is, but they should just leave. And they're like, okay, bye. And they kind of like run out of there. <laughs> I love how it's always bye. And then they run away. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so they pull off into like a 7-Eleven and Jade pulls out the paper of her pocket of what she stole from the office. And it's a plane reservation. It's a one-way ticket to Argentina, and the plane leaves in like three days. But the reservation is for two people. To Argentina? What do you think this means? What does this mean, Danielle? They're obviously on the run. Someone. They're not in quarantine. They're not Um, in quarantine, clearly. (laughs) Clearly. Yeah, same. No, you're you're right. It, it means shit. It means somebody's going <laughs> to Argentina. And the girls agree. They agree they've got nothing for that whole little thing that they did. But they did pick up that there is a Linda who was his assistant who might know something. So they decide they're going to track this Linda down to see if they can get any info from her. This Linda. So Jade, yeah, random Linda. So Jay goes through the phone book again and she finds Linda and tells her that she's working for a company that's doing a survey on the restaurant business. And could they come to her house and talk to her? Linda, what is wrong with you, Linda? We don't have time for surveys. Say no. Tell them no. Linda agrees, though. She wants to take this survey. Sure, come to my house and ask me random questions. about the restaurant industry considering I was a clerical worker whatever okay (laughs) so they go over there she lets them in and they ask you know what kind of boss Mr. Ferberson was and she's like oh you know he wasn't that bad but before she can say any more the phone rings and she's like um I'm gonna I'm gonna take this in the other room on the extension can you just hang this one up whenever I get on yeah thanks Guess who didn't hang up the extension? Um, gotta be them. They didn't hang yeah, up. Yeah, no, they didn't <laughs> hang up. So they hear her talking on the phone. I know, it was really rude. Linda, so, yeah, it was really yeah, rude. <laughs> yeah, interpret those as bitch. Um, <laughs> so they hear Linda talking on the phone, and it's Mr. Ferberson. She's calling him darling and telling him that he has to come over now and get it out of her house. 
He agrees. He says he'll be there in like five minutes. So now our girls start to panic. They need to get out of there. So they make up some excuse about like messing up scheduling and they'll get to her later or whatever. And they bounce. They get in a car. They drive around the block and then they kind of park and wait to see what Mr. Farberson does when he gets to the house. Because, you know, they're spying. They're being spies. But now we know who that second ticket to Argentina was for. Or at least we can infer that it's definitely for his ex-secretary. Right. So they see him drive up to Linda's house. He goes in. He comes back out with a small package. They assume that this must be the ski mask and the bloody shirt from the night he killed his wife. He drives back to the restaurant. He doesn't stop before they go in. So they think that if they can get their hands on this package, they can go to the cops with real actual proof. Like, here's the green ski mask. Here's what we were talking about. It couldn't have come from anywhere other than what we said it did. Here's your proof. There you go. Chuck, release him. Solid plan. So they try and sneak in like the back door, but they get caught by a cook. So they decide, okay, we need to come back later tonight when the restaurant's busy. And then we'll try to like sneak in and see if we can get in to find what he's done with this package. Okay. So that night when they get to the restaurant, they decide that the most obvious thing to do is to check the dumpsters out back. Because if you're trying to get rid of something, where would you put it? Mm -hmm. So they actually do some dumpster diving. For like a few minutes, which is disgusting, by the way, behind a restaurant. Yeah. And no. <laughs> yeah, ew. Mm-hmm. It's pretty nasty. Yeah. <laughs> and, but they do find the package that they saw him take out of the house. And they don't want to wait and like risk it and open it there. So they take it back to their car to open it. What's in the box, Danielle? What's in the box? A severed head. Just kidding. <laughs> yes. I wish. The best movie ever. I think it's time to watch it again. It's such a good movie. I got it. It's not going to be, we can cut this if we want to, but I got into this debate with a friend of mine who's like movie obsessed, but he's like a snob, like in a good way, but he's a major movie snob. And we were talking about like how much I love David Fincher and he was kind of rolling his eyes like, ugh. And I was like, no, that man can do whatever he wants because he gave us seven. And if you don't appreciate seven, you can't be friends anymore. That's it. Like from start to finish, that movie is beautiful. It's so good. It really is. And it was it was so early. So like nothing nothing like that no. had been done. I mean, you could say you could argue Silence of the Lambs came first. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, that was kind of in the same vein. Um, yeah, but it. just just the mm-hmm. way that it was like filmed and the way the story mm-hmm. was built and the things that yeah. were behind like I think I saw that in the movie theater with my mother. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was well, a little bit too young for the movie theater. but Yeah, she has dis- decent tastes in movies. And I think by <laughs> then, like, my older brothers and sisters had all fucked off to do whatever. Yeah. And I was kind of her movie buddy. Um, so I got to see a lot of things that I maybe should have been mm-hmm. watching. I don't um, remember when I saw it for the first time. But I I mean, I'm a, I'm a David Fincher-aholic. Like, I pretty much love everything he's done anyway. Just the way he makes things is so fascinating to me. But – 
that one is just, it's a masterpiece. And I'm not even like the biggest Brad Pitt person either, but he's so perfect in that he's role. He's good in it. Mm-hmm. He is. And yeah. I mean, okay, Kevin Spacey's kind of a creep, but I'm sorry, now he's, he's a good creep, actor. Yeah. But he was good in that movie. This was pre, we pre, before we knew what the Kevin Spacey was. So we have to, we have to separate the two. Like he was still fantastic in that movie and so good. And I mean, you have like, you can watch that movie on silent and just look at it visually. Mm-hmm. And like the credits are beautiful and you have the nine nails in it. And it's like everything about it is like so nineties, but not never dated ever. Like you could put that out now and you people would find oh. them like, wow, this is amazing. And it's like, yeah, cause it's that damn good. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah. Dated. I think that's one that's <laughs> going to be rediscovered again and again for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Like, I, like I think about now, like if I wanted to do like an at home movie date, which is all we can do right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, with my husband, like, I think that he and I have both seen it a number of times. Mm-hmm. He is not a huge like movie fan like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I married an evangelical Christian and he usually doesn't go in for it. Mm. But that is one that he enjoys. Wow. And, like, I could see us like having like popcorn and sitting down <laughs> and like going back through that movie again. That's a and tough you're right. movie. Like <laughs> that's a, it's tough. It's a tough one. It's I mean, there's still there's I think there's now we can go so far with gore and whatever, but it's not that movie is not even it's gory, but it's not if you know what I mean. Like it is, but it's not like well, they did blood everywhere. Job of, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Of just in building suspense in in the sequence of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, you're like holding uh, your breath the entire movie. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> it was like that first season of True Detective. Hmm. When we were like in the warehouse, yeah, and we were seeing them from a dis, and it was so scary, but nothing was happening. <laughs> it was just scary. But it was so, so scary. scary. Like, seriously, it was just the way it was done. It was it was done so cleverly, and I I think that that's it's that they're very good at that part. Yes. And no, I'm not going to cut this shit because this is a horror <laughs> podcast, and we can talk about stuff. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> Back to what so, was in the box, which is not a severed what's head. What's in but. the box that is not a severed head? <laughs> Any guesses? Mm, could it be the, no, did we find the knife? Could it be like the murder weapon or something? No, no. you're not going to like it either. Oh, it's probably like a dead animal or something awful. It, uh, yeah, it's a uh, dead cat. Oh. He was disposing of his lover's dead cat. I guess he just decided to throw it away. Really? Um, it's not funny, but it's like, okay, I'll come get your cat. And he put it in a dumpster, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I they both pissed. decide. I asked him to do that for me, and they're like, oh, we're just going to put it in a cat. <laughs> hey, he's got some stuff going on, all right? His wife just died. Like, um, so both of the girls decide, like, this day was kind of stupid. Like, we didn't really actually get anything accomplished. We have no proof. We don't really know anything new. Um, <laughs> except for that he has this, you know, lover named mm-hmm. Linda. But and they still have no proof cat. of anything. And she had a cat, but not anymore. <laughs> so they're about to go home. And a hand lands on Deanna's shoulder from the back seat. A severed hand. <laughs> It would be better. Um, it's the ski mask guy. He He's in their car. Forward. Yes. He leans forward. He kind of squeezes her shoulder. 
and tells them never to come back there. He won't warn them again. Leave it alone. And he jumps out of the car and runs off. So the next day at school, Rob asks Sienna on a date after school, but she's like, no, <laughs> she's going to go see Chuck in jail. She's got a lot going on. It's not a good time, Rob. Not a good time. Try again <laughs> so another day. See- <laughs> Sorry. She's going to go see Chuck after school. She's going to go see him in jail. She tells them, she tells Chuck what she and Jade have been up to, all about the disguises and they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to find a way to free him. They're trying to come up with some evidence. She also tells him that they have both decided the only way they're going to find this evidence is to go back tonight to the house on Fear Street and look around. Mm. Chuck flips out. Do not go back there. Please do not go back there. It is dangerous. He starts screaming at her. Do not go back to the house at Fear Street. And the guard comes in and kind of drags him away to his cell. But Deanna thinks he's just being overprotective. He's being emotional. They're totally doing this. That night, we get another one of these beautiful fall thunderstorms. I need fall thunderstorms for my soul so much right now. I can't describe to you how much I need fall right now. It's coming. I don't know if it's going to be any better than it is right now, but fall and Halloween needs to happen, like, right now. Yep. Side note. <laughs> but uh, I and... I'm going to have Halloween. I don't care if I get coronavirus. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, if we are in for Halloween, like, I'm, I usually decorate anyways. Like, mm-hmm. I decorate big for Halloween right. and Christmas. <laughs> And if we're inside, it's going to be on another level. I don't Uh, even know, like, how, I mean, I don't even want to think about it. But, like, it's a Saturday. I was supposed to be in Disneyland for F's sake. And it's like, no, now you're not. Like, you get to just sit here. And a full moon. And a full moon. And it's Saturday. And we get an extra hour somehow. And I'm like oh my God, if I just stay at home, I'm going to literally just crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> it's not okay. okay. We can't think about it. We can't nope. think about it too long. Positive vibes okay. only. Positive vibes. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to teleport to Shady Side where there is a fall thunderstorm happening. <laughs> it's raining buckets. The thunder is crashing. The lightning is lighting up the sky. Deanna picks up Jade and they both drive off to Fear Street in silence they come up to an intersection and there's this like crash of lightning and they see the street light street sign light up for a minute and it flashes fear street they kind of look at each other Deanna turns the car into the storm when they get to the house it looks just as spooky as it was before and it kind of looks like there's nobody home so they kind of park the car down the street. They walk around to the back door, just like before. The door's still broken. It's not been replaced. So they let themselves in. The house seems quiet, but it's still trashed inside. Like, nobody has cleaned up from the night of the murder. 
The girls pull out their flashlights. They start to kind of move through the house. They find nothing. And then they start to hear a weird sound, kind of like a rocking chair hitting the floor over and over and over. And they move into the bedroom to investigate. There's a window open and there's kind of a shade blowing around in front of the open window. And they discover that in the bedroom, there's a letter from Mrs. Farberson to Mr. Farberson saying that she gave him a lot of money for the restaurant. The restaurant's going to go broke. He's a failure. She's leaving him. She wants all her money back. Blah, blah, blah. It's over. She's coming over on Saturday night to get her stuff. Saturday night is the same night that she was killed. This was it. Proof. Actual proof. We've got motive. We've got timing. This was what they're after. And holy shit, now there's a car pulling up in the driveway. So they kind of freeze. Someone gets out of the car and goes to the front door and unlocks it. Mr. Farberson is home. They hear him walking around downstairs. They decide they're just going to wait it out. Maybe he'll go to sleep and then they can like sneak out of the house. But one of them knocks something over. And they hear him start to kind of come up the stairs to investigate the crash. Jade stashes the letter in the waistband of her sweatpants. And they hide, excuse me, Deanna stashes the letter in the waistband of her sweatpants. And they both hide in the closet. Here's the funny part, though. They've left these, like, big, wet rain footsteps all over the place. And they lead right to the closet. (laughs) So he opens up the door and kind of busts them. And there's a fight. The girls are screaming at him to let them go. But he kind of corners Jade and, like, knocks her out. Deanna makes it out of the room and all the way to the kitchen phone... But he, like, form tackles her and starts to drag her back up the stairs to the bedroom. And in the struggle, he notices that in the waistband of her pants, there's this letter and he kind of snatches it back. So he gets Deanna back up into the bedroom and Jade starts to come around a little bit. She's coming out of it. And he is screaming at them to tell him what they know. They start screaming back, you know, we know it was you, we know we killed your wife, we've got proof, all things you probably don't want to say to someone who has you trapped in their house. But he doesn't deny it. He says they are smart girls, too smart, too smart for their own good. And now he's going to have to deal with them. So he backs out of the room and locks them both in there. Okay, time to panic. Yeah. They start barricading the door. They're they're pushing shit up against it. This like big trust of drawers. They're trying to keep him from coming into the room. And they go to the window and they see a tree nearby. So they decide they're going to jump out of the window and climb down the tree. Solid plan in a rainstorm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Like there's no there's nowhere else to go. That's true. I mean, I guess there's nothing else to do. No. So Farberson comes back and he gets to the bedroom door. He unlocks it. He sees that they barricaded it and he starts throwing himself against the door, trying to push it open. And when he gets it far enough to see what they've done, he can tell that they've gone out the window and they're on this tree. 
in the rainstorm. He goes downstairs and they see him turn on like a back porch light and come out into the backyard and he's carrying something. What do you think he's carrying, Danielle? What's he got? I don't know. What would be logical? Like some kind of weapon, but then I don't know. This is great. <laughs> it's a chainsaw. Yes! So it is a weapon. <laughs> he starts to cut down the tree with them in it. Sweet. Right? Shit you not. It, it seems like the tree is about to go down. Like, they're hanging onto this wet tree in the storm. They can hear it starting to crack. But then they notice in the distance, down the street, they can see flashing red and blue. It's the cops. They are saved. The cops pull up on the lawn, guns drawn, take down Mr. Farberson while he's still holding a chainsaw. Okay. And then it's like, they get this ladder out of nowhere and they get him out of the tree just in time before it comes crashing down. When Deanna hits the ground, she straight up passes out. She's done. She's had enough. And her body just kind of like checks out. Okay. I'm on that boat. I'm in that boat. When she wakes up, all hell has broken loose. Cop cars, ambulances, her parents, and Chuck are all there. And she explains to the cops what they were doing in the house, what they found out about Farberson. And it turns out the cops knew all along. They were waiting to get enough evidence to arrest Farberson and Chuck was in on the plan because they figured if Farberson thought Chuck was going down for the murder, he would get comfortable and he would make a mistake. So Chuck was never really a suspect. And these poor that's girls why were Chuck pretty. freaked out when she told him that they were going to go back to the house on Fear Street. Oh. Right. So when Chuck got back to his cell, he told the guard what their plans were, and the guard called the cops and sent him over there. And that's why they came riding up guns blazing the way that they did, because they knew this guy was going to be there with his sister and her friend, and the guy's a killer. The next day at school, the three of them are all heroes, as word got out about them helping the police catch a murderer. Jade and Chuck are an item now, and Rob makes a date with Deanna for that weekend. There's a cheesy line about having enough of phone calls. They should just send each other postcards. (laughs) And that's how it ends. (laughs) Well, that was a good one, I think. I liked it a lot. It I thought it was very fast-paced. It had some good ups and downs. It was fast-paced. Yeah. The ending was a little sappy, but we ha- I guess it was- I thought the chainsaw was kind of kick-ass. I was- the, I was No, the chainsaw was great. Like the little like, oh, no more phone calls. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was stupid. He didn't need a last chapter. I'm not sure why he did that. It's never- He's never bothered before. Like, I don't know why we didn't just end it there. But yeah, it was mm-hmm. super cheesy. Yeah, I liked it. I'm glad. Yeah, it's kind of a 
kind of a Fear Street fan favorite, book number mm-hmm. five. Um, I did notice as I was selecting the book for the next round mm-hmm. that there is a sequel and I oh, do have it. Nice. I don't know. Should we wait till like year two? Probably. We'll give some breathing. To start introducing and, sequels. Yeah. Because there's so much stuff. Yeah. Unless, unless like well, you said, it's the Haunted House ones. Then. Yeah. I, th- I do think we want to do that whole um, story arc. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if I remember correctly, it is a pretty like consistent story arc. Mm-hmm. Like I think that we pretty much pick up at the end. And go right in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think most of these other ones, most of like the Goosebumps one have some time in between. Um, may I just say that your internet is exemplary tonight? Thank you. It's our first recording with the new Comcast internet. Shout out to Comcast, not sponsored. Not sponsored, but I am extremely happy uh, about it because the, it, the signal is clear. Mm-hmm. I had to get my workstation all set up at work for my home working, blah, blah, blah. I have to use a VPN for a secure connection to my office. And my mom uses one too for her home work. She's never had a problem with our internet on her VPN. But then once I got mine in, it was like a shit show. Nothing would run. I was basically out of luck for like a week straight. So we had to get new internet. Time to find out we had freaking DSL internet. I'm like, who even has DSL anymore? That's why it's garbage all the time. (laughs) This is why it sucks and why we can't stream anything. You know, everything is crap. And I'm like, no, this is not happening anymore. And so we ended up like, so that was like a revelation of like, now all of our, all of our problems have been solved because we know why it sucks so bad. So we ended up getting rid of the internet and also our cable TV in the same week. Cause I was like, no, we're switching over to Hulu. We're going full streaming. I'm done with this crap. We're over. We're done. The end. You don't watch that crap anyways. I have not had regular internet in, or not regular internet, but regular cable. Yeah. Um, in nine years. I didn't, we kept it because it was the only way to watch sports. And this was before like YouTube TV and Hulu TV and all that stuff. There was really nothing. It was, it was like Roku and that kind of thing, but still no sports. We couldn't watch hockey at all. And so we had to have cable for hockey. So we watched HBO and things like that sometimes, but rarely, if ever, did we use it. And so now, luckily, Hulu, which I use all the time anyway, has all of my hockey channels. So that's why I was like, oh, good, we could just get rid of it. Because that was really the only thing tying us to it was the sports. And then it is just so clear. Like it's you're gonna be so surprised. And imagine when you get your microphone, the combination of those two things. Magical. Magical. I know everyone has been stuck at home and we really appreciate everybody listening and blogging into the Facebook group and now we just really need some reviews because it's been a little quiet and we're sad and we like mm-hmm. them and we've put out some what I think are pretty good episodes so if anyone's out there is listening is bored at home while they're stuck inside with nothing to do leave us a review five stars only thanks <laughs> And we stock those pages. So the mm-hmm. second you upload that review, we'll be shouting you and we're, out. Yeah, we're going to give you a shout out for sure. So, yeah. 100%. <laughs> 100%. 
All right. So that is it for tonight's episode. Next episode, we are going to Goosebumps. Danielle is going to tell me a story. She has prepared You Can't Scare Me explanation point <laughs> for, for our next episode. So be super excited about that. It's coming in another two weeks, unless you're a patron, in which case you probably already have it. Um, but that's about it. So until next time, we are out. Like all kind of crap online, even though the website <laughs> lets you buy it. <laughs> Both. BS. Bye. <laughs> Bye.